Welcome back. Catherine, Ashley, and I are here to discuss Pillar 3, Feedback, from Chapter 4 of Dr. Gail Allen's book, The New Pillars of Modern Teaching. Ashley's going to get our conversation going about feedback. So in the book, Dr. Allen suggests replacing the traditional pillar of assessment with feedback, which is information about how we are doing and our efforts to reach a goal. And as we know from the research, feedback is one of the top 10 influences on student achievement. And high quality feedback accelerates the learning process. So there's our why for feedback. So let's think about feedback in two ways. First, teachers receive feedback about how they need to modify their teaching. This information can be the result of formative assessment data from students or may result from conversations or observations with peers. Second, students receive feedback so they can learn how to self-regulate and be engaged in further learning. So feedback aims to reduce the gap between where the student is and where he or she is meant to be. Also, to make feedback effective, this status must be transparent to both the teacher and the student. And this is also true for adult learners as well. And thankfully, digital tools are helping us get closer to establishing the feedback loops that students need to accelerate their learning and make it personal. So what are some of our favorite tools for gauging where students are in their learning? I mean, there's, there's a there's number tons. of different tools that are out there. And so I think some of the ones that are, I think, more commonly used would definitely be things like Google Forms. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, the new features that they've added. Um, with the ability to be able to do quizzes and be able to move those into Google Sheets. And provide uh, feedback if exactly. answers are correct or incorrect. And so those are those are great things. I also love the fact that now that you can do multiple choice, you can have multiple answers that are correct. Mm -hmm. And so within the features, so that's a great tool. Kahoot has had recently had some updates as well. And I know many people will use have used that as a tool for feedback and um, being able to do a quick feedback um, check with students. And then also Flipgrid is a great tool oh, yeah. when it comes to being able to collect feedback. And like I said, uh, the great thing, and I'm just realizing this, that all three of those have recently gone over, gone through some updates. And so that's a great thing that they are continually to um, refine what they're doing and offering for teachers to be able to use to be able to collect feedback from not only from other adults, but also be able to do that with students as well. So those are some of the tools I've used. Awesome. What about you, Catherine? Well, it also depends on do I need the student's name attached to the feedback or can it be feedback in general? Oh, good so, point. Yeah. so if it is for just um, feedback in general, um, people are loving Mentimeter mm -hmm. and yes. it is so easy to set up and it looks good. And um, I th there are so many different question types. So that is a really fun tool to get some quick feedback. And one of the things that I love about Mentimeter, you can see how many people have participated. So in a recent session, I had, I think, 25 participants, but then it it was um, building a word cloud, and we had 84 different responses. Awesome. And so that was one thing that we also can add to the um, whole process. It gives every single student a voice mm -hmm. in the room, and we could see that people have responded in multiple times because we had so many responses. So, And well, and another thing I like about that is think about if you did this without technology. How much time would that How much time? Calling on, well, you wouldn't call on every single right. student, but still, calling on, yeah, it, would just, it just really streamlines, that pro streamlines the process of soliciting feedback. Well, and then I also tell the participants that if I don't know you, then you're a little bit hesitant to respond. Mm -hmm. If I would call on people, if I knew one person's name in the room, I'm like, Ashley, you, right. get, you get to respond because I, only because I know your name. Exactly. So, so that's one. And then my other favorite favorite is Spiral, and that has four different platforms that mm -hmm. you can use within one tool. The thing I do like about that is you can attach names. You can connect it to Google Classroom, but there are lots of different um, 
types of questions and responses that you can get. So that's another tool that is fantastic for getting that feedback. Yeah, and we'll put all this in the show notes too, so don't mind jotting this down right now. Um, Going back to the book, the four elements of effective feedback are described as specific, immediate, frequent, and actionable. And so as we are designing learning experiences, like we talked about in the last podcast, how can we design learning experiences that prioritize that frequent, formative feedback? What do we need to keep in mind as we're planning? Well, I think it really does have to be part of that whole design process. Mm -hmm. You have to plan in advance and set things up. This is where you're going to pause. This is where you need to put in those types of assessments. Uh, I mean, some of it can be on the fly. You can see these looks on the kids' faces if they're Mm -hmm. working in a group and they um, are panicking or... um, if you do something um, non-technology, like you have the cups, the red, green, cup, yes. yellow cups on the table, they've got the red cup up. But um, you definitely need to plan for those ways to um, and times that you can assess. Good point. And there are some tools like Pear Deck and Nearpod that have those uh, formative assessment, let me just call them breaks, for lack of a better word, right. built in. Right. So reflection times or a formative assessment that built, built right into your presentation. So that really kind of helps you be mindful of when to stop, when to reflect, when to check for understanding. Mm -hmm. Well, and then the other thing is if you have a back channel or if you have some place for comments, you can um, give the students prompts. I think sometimes it's like just put something on the back channel is Mm -hmm. not good enough. Right. Again, you have to design a good question, design a thoughtful something for them to think about, respond. You could even do think, pair, virtually share is one of my favorite kinds of things, but that gives the students an opportunity to fill in some responses for you to kind of gauge where they are Mm -hmm. and then make those instructional decisions to keep going, change the path, tweak some things. Yeah, or or have a chance to clarify some misunderstandings in real time, which is so important. Right, right. That's that's the beauty of these tools is that feedback and switching gears in your instruction can happen so quickly. Right. I mean, without the technology, it would be a little bit more difficult. Right. So a key goal of formative assessment and feedback is to help students develop as independent learners, capable of monitoring and regulating their own learning. So feedback needs to be actionable. When a student receives feedback, they have to know what to do with it. And so I'm going to pose this question to Catherine, our resident curation queen. (laughs) How can that process of curation support the feedback process by giving kids actionable steps? Well, I think if you have curated some resources, if you have this container of resources, you like we mentioned in um, an earlier episode, this library of resources, if the kids are stuck, if they are, they get some feedback and they're just like, oh my gosh, I don't know what to do. I have these learning gaps. Then you have a place for them to go back and fill in some holes. And so that's one way I think that connects. Mm-hmm. Well, that really connects all of the pillars. Right. Design, curation, and the feedback. Absolutely. So um, just to wrap this up, let's talk briefly about feedback for educators. In the book, Dr. Allen describes the challenge of isolation and compares the feedback loops of an Uber driver and a teacher, and the differences are shocking. So how can educators encourage feedback from others in their professional practice? Yeah, I think this is a um, this is just a great thing to keep in mind. Uh, I think a lot of times we are... We don't take feedback as an opportunity to grow. Mm-hmm. I think oftentimes we have a very negative um, attitude toward feedback, but really feedback has to be taken with a growth mindset Absolutely. and an opportunity for um, learning to happen. And so I think that oftentimes we are willing to have that thought process towards students and want students to understand that, understand that we're trying to help them grow. 
Uh, but I think also we have to have the same mindset and we have to be willing to understand that um, the feedback that we're receiving gives us an opportunity to grow. And we need to look for those opportunities to be able to have um, good quality feedback. And I do like to point out that feedback of good job is just really not very good feedback. Yep. And so uh, I know that several times and even um, as a former administrator, that was something that I had to be mindful of and reflect upon that there were times where I gave a good job to someone that really there was an opportunity for me to get more feedback that was very specific that could have really helped um, to be able to move that person forward. But um, at the time, um, good job is what I provided. And so so I think that being able to make sure that the feedback is quality feedback when you're you're giving it. But going back to, as educators, being able to get feedback from others, I think you have to definitely look for opportunities. So um, being able to share different things that you're doing, lessons, and being able to open up and allowing others to be able to see the things that you're doing and not being so closed off, I think that's a big, um, huge area. I know Catherine shared pineapple charts before and, and being able to have the those opportunities for things like the Observe Me movement, hashtag Observe Me. Um, those were great opportunities for you to be able to open up your classroom and have others come in and be able to provide feedback on some of the things that you're doing and to help you be able to grow. So Absolutely. Well, well and I think that that is a huge point. You have to have this culture of learning and feedback established and that's not an automatic thing. Mm -hmm. No, it's not. And I think that um, that is really left up to the building administrators as to create that um, whole culture overall that you're willing to use feedback, not for evaluation purposes, but this is for growth. Um, let me give you a quick example. This fall, I was able to take a classy graphics class by Tony Vincent, and it was such a positive community of learners. We all received feedback. Uh, comments on Google Drawings, and we had all of these things that we were not doing right on our <laughs> Google Drawing, but it was so wonderful because I would think this is the epitome of what it means as feedback for growth because it was, well, this image is not exactly aligned. Mm -hmm. This is not exactly a good color. This needs to be tweaked. But I was like, yes, that's so exciting. I feel like my images are getting better because of that feedback. Mm -hmm. And so I absolutely can see the difference between a positive learning community and how that has been established, this learning culture, we're going to use feedback for growth versus some other places that I've been a part of. True. And you know what? The same thing applies for students in the classroom. Oh, absolutely. You right. still have to have that culture of learning and that feedback is how you grow. Right. So. Right. Very good. So I think that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Thank you all for joining us. Please check out the site for the fourth learning task and resources related to this part of the book. We'll see you on Twitter at our hashtag R10EDU. And until then, as Katie Martin says, if we want to change how students learn, we must change how teachers learn. 